Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. We are back for another edition of Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, Philip and Kyle. How are we doing, guys? Fantastic. It's Friday. Yeah. Both of those things are true. It is fantastic and it is Friday. So today, guys, we are going to be talking blockchain. And I know, Kyle, that we've done and Philip and I have had a working knowledge of the first few subject matters that we've covered here. I cannot promise that for this one. I know approximately three things about blockchain. And I don't know that all even three of those things are true. How about that? <laughs> all right. So we set the bar low this week. Yes. That's great. Okay. So I know I went to the RSA conference last year and I saw two cryptographers speak, and which is ironic because I, for guys who talk and you know, talking about code, I understood almost none of it. So it was almost like they were talking in code. Yep. So that was really special. So they talked a little bit about blockchain. And what I remember is that it is essentially code that you cannot forge or edit. Yeah, there's an element to it of that for sure. I think one of the easy ways to think about it for people that are data-driven is it's really a database. It's a database of records. But what makes blockchain blockchain is what you just described. It's the code. It's the security we can get into the details today, but essentially you're creating a chain of records which refer to one another. So if at any time one of those records gets damaged, either hacked or something like that, it would impact every other record in the chain. And the way we, you know, blockchain is distributed, that gets flagged very quickly and overwritten, essentially. So it's super secure, which is why it's used. One of the three things you probably know about it is that it became very prevalent with the launch of Bitcoin. That was thing two I knew was it's Bitcoin. (laughs) 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 That was the one I said, I don't even know if this is true because... I know it's not Bitcoin, but it's what Bitcoin's built on. Is that true? So um, think blockchain as a cybersecurity method. If you think of it that way, then you can start to connect it to the use case of Bitcoin. So very, well, maybe it's super high level. It feels that way to me, but uh, high level, it's a list of records and every record is a block and each record has embedded in it a secure key. And the only way to add a new record to the database is if the new block contains the same key as the previous block. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't work. So, or it doesn't connect to the chain and therefore it doesn't become a record in the database. So if you think about Bitcoin and any other cryptocurrency or any other digital transaction, think gift cards, right? So if you had, well, you don't have internet access at home right now, but let's say hypothetically you did. (laughs) And you set up two laptops right beside one another and you go to Amazon on two laptops and fill up your cart. And as you go to check out, you want to use a gift card. 
If you type that gift card number into both screens and hit enter at the exact same time on two computers, theoretically, it's possible that both transactions would go through. Theoretically. Now, there's a ton of safeguards in place to keep that from happening. But blockchain is one of them. Blockchain is a way to keep digital transactions like that secure and to avoid what I just described is called double spending, which is it's essentially a flaw when you're using digital cash that sounds like fraud. <laughs> yep, that's right. And, it, and it's not intended to be right, but it could be it could be it could be used for fraud, but you could have two transactions hit a processor at very similar times and both of them get processed. You know, think swiping your card at a gas station while your significant other also has their card and they're swiping it at a Walmart down the street. If you both are contending for the same dollars and the processor doesn't catch it, you could, you know, overdraw your account. That's a a super simple version of double spending, but that's essentially why blockchain became so prevalent with Bitcoin was to try to secure those transactions with a currency that's not, you know, the processing is not run through Visa and MasterCard and things like that. It's actually run through a peer-to-peer network, a blockchain network that uh, uh, Bitcoin and others uses. So yeah, that Bitcoin's All number right. two. Cryptography number one. You're in the ballpark. Yep. What was number three? So the third thing's more of like a rumor, maybe, or a theory. And it's that people think this is like the future of like safe voting. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. And, you know, I, I knew Bitcoin would come up because, as you indicated, Bitcoin. Because you've listened to our show and it somehow makes its way yeah. in every episode. <laughs> well, uh, blockchain and then Bitcoin, like you said, they seem to be considered to be synonymous today. But any digital transaction that happens, blockchain is a great method of securing the data and those transactions. So, you know, one of the other use cases besides voting is, you know, field to table produce. And produce is one of the examples we commonly use in the blockchain description, just because you can literally follow a head of lettuce from the field to a grocer somewhere and blockchain the technology can show you where that head of lettuce has been, what truck it was on, what temperature it experienced, all of those things. So that if you ever have some kind of, you know, food safety outbreak, you can immediately look back at the data and tell where that item has been versus, you know, what it used to be where you're having to make phone calls and where did this truck go and what did that truck driver do, et cetera. But voting is very similar. It's a similar transaction to a commerce transaction. You have to, authenticate yourself. You have to prove who you are. You're submitting a sensitive piece of data and it needs to be captured securely. And imagine the double spending example we gave earlier. We're just talking about running a gift card through a system. Imagine double spending becoming, you know, quadruple spending or thousand spending where somebody is spoofing votes uh, without a technology in place like uh, blockchain to secure that and to throw away those bad attempts, it would be very easy to overrun an election. So how long has this been around? Because I feel like I never heard about it until Bitcoin. So has it been around and used or has it just been like a theory or what was like pre-Bitcoin, what was what was it used for? 
It, it wasn't. Any modern technology has roots somewhere where, where you know somebody will say, "Well, I had that idea back in the '90s, but I never used it for anything." And then, and Bitcoin became the most uh, common example. But the concept of dealing with double spending, the distributed or decentralized commerce, essentially, was the decentralized currency model. All of these things came up in the 90s and early 2000s, but it was really the Satoshi Nakamoto, whether or not that's a person or a group of person or persons or whatever that pseudonym is, that was the first real usage of the technology. But there's a bunch of just super geeky elements of blockchain, like Merkle trees and miners and all this stuff that were all elements of an idea um, from the 90s that has you know it's taken hold now so this might be a really dumb question because i did google that and you are correct on your timeline there mr dewitt so thank you for that but i, I feel like like we have in la- previous episodes where we've gone back and like well toasters were actually the first iot device couldn't you make an argument that like i'm sure blockchain or the concept of blockchain i'm sure it wasn't called blockchain like you could probably date that back to like, I, I don't have an example in mind, but like the Roman times where they were like passing codes back and forth like to like verify things. Or is that my totally off base here? So the code piece is one element of it. So I said before we went live, I was going to speak Phil's love language today and talk about beer. So let's use a beer example for him. If you're throwing a party and you got a cooler full of beer and Phil's responsible for that cooler full of beer, He's going to know, he's responsible for knowing how many are in that cooler at any point in time. Uh, When, you know, his party's just getting started, it's very easy to keep track of who comes and takes the beer out or puts some back into the cooler. But over time, the more transactions with that cooler occur, meaning people are going into and out of it, or Phil leaves the room or he's engaged in a conversation and looking the other way, he's got no idea what's left in that cooler. And at some point it's going to get oversubscribed party over. So where I try to translate Phil's party into a blockchain example is let's say it's the lamest party ever. And you and me and Phil are sitting there with a pad of paper and we're all we're doing is monitoring that cooler. And we write at the top of the pad of paper, there's 24 beers in that cooler. And then uh, Gabby comes in. She's first one into the party and she walks up and goes, hey, can I get a beer? We go, sure. She opens the cooler, takes one out. All three of us on our paper write down minus one beer, Gabby. Now we got 23. So we're keeping a ledger, right? This is old school Scrooge McDuck ledger keeping. And every time there's a transaction with that cooler, we record what that transaction was and who participated in it on our ledger. Well, that every time we write something down on that piece of paper, that's a block. So in blockchain, each one of those is a block and we're on a ledger. So over time, more people were pulling out of this thing. We're adding in. Now let's say again, Phil leaves the room and Ian, it's just you and me sitting there. We're still monitoring the cooler. We're still writing down. Phil comes back later and he's missed transactions. Well, that's okay. Cause we got it. We got the transactions. He comes back in the room and we go, Hey, Phil, you missed two transactions. Write these down on your ledger. And now all our ledgers match. So that essentially is not, that is not blockchain. That's distributed or a decentralized currency model. So instead of having one person responsible for the ledger, what's in the cooler, we've now decentralized it. We have multiple people that are responsible for what's in that cooler. So in the 
Bitcoin world, the people that are responsible for that ledger, there are literally millions of people. So this is a peer-to-peer network. Think Napster. Think file sharing from the 90s or early 2000s, right? So you had multiple people across the world running this piece of software that shared music and videos and all legitimate, all legal copies all the time. So that's what the peer-to-peer model of blockchain is. They distribute a database. Everybody's got a copy of it. It's always secure. And every time there's one transaction, somebody comes and gets a, a beer out of our cooler, every copy of that database, all million copies of it are updated. So that way you can't just hack one of them and cause whatever damage. You would actually have to hack more than 50% of all of the distributed databases in order to convince the data that it's, you know, oh, this new data is now the right data, right? So that party example is, again, that's distributed currency. If you really want to make that blockchain, then you introduce a password. And so that's where it gets different, Ian, than just sharing codes. You would have to take, you know, let's say Gabby comes in and gets that beer. Before she gets it, she has to know the password. And the only way that she can know the password is she has to ask the person that was in front of her in line what it was. So it's not commonly known. She has to ask the person in front of her. And then when somebody comes behind her, she has to tell them the password. And that's the only way they can get in the cooler. So if somebody comes up and just makes up the password or tries to hack Phil's cooler, everybody in the room, all million people in the room are going to go, no, 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 that's not the password. You can't come in. So imagine you take that and translate it to Bitcoin. Somebody tries to fake a transaction with cryptocurrency and they want to buy something and they've faked the transaction, all the databases in the world that see that transaction come in will know that it's not real because the key, the password, doesn't match the previous block. And then once one block is out, uh, it gets discarded. It becomes an orphan block, which is just the saddest term I've ever run across. Um, But that's, that's essentially what it is. So you got a cooler full of beer and people come up to it only if they know the password can they get things out of it. And meanwhile, you and I and Phil and 990,000 of our closest friends are monitoring that cooler and writing down on our ledger, our blocks, every time somebody takes something out of it. And so we always know at any point in time exactly how many beers are left in the cooler, even though we never look at it. And when, you know, somebody's mom shows up to pick their child up, you can go, well, that person had three beers right here on my ledger, right? <laughs> so it's a weird adaptation of the technology, but that's essentially what blockchain is. It's a list of transactions that are encrypted, that are all connected by the passing of a password. It's a key. It's where, it's where the cryptographers come from. It's called a hash. I didn't want to use hash in the party example because that takes us down a different that's, path. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, our editing department's going to have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> For once, it wasn't my fault. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's honestly, it's going to be the worst synonymous word association of all time. Blockchain is beer in my head now, and it makes a ton of sense. As long as it's in a cooler that's password protected. This is the exact way this podcast should go. I now can go to my boring <laughs> friend at the party and explain to them while I'm at a party what blockchain is. And if you pass the password along, they too can have a beer. 
It's like a terrible game of uh, telephone, right? Yeah, it the is. Pass- this is the good. password is pumpernickel. So let's use that right there to dive into potentially my last question. You mentioned at the beginning, it's a cybersecurity at its core. Is there the opportunity to or potential that it could be hacked or breached? Or is that the idea is that because it is a code that's only known, you know, within that realm that it can't be? Yeah. So let's see how much time we want to spend on it. So you guys went through grade school and took a math class and uh, the worst part of a math test was having to show your work, right? And uh, so there's this concept in blockchain. So every block that's connected to the next block in the chain has, I'm going to keep calling it hash because that's what it is. It's a key, has a key. So block A has a key and it tell, or, or block B when it tries to connect to the chain, meaning it's a lawful entry in the ledger. It is a legitimate transaction. The only way it can do that is by having the password or the key or the hash of the previous block. Now, if somebody is hacking the system or putting in bad transactions, trying to connect bad transactions to the large database, that hash, that key will not match the previous block and it will fail to connect to the chain. Now, because it's a real, this is real time, right? We're sending data over the internet that show your work thing, the proof of work, it's a concept called minor, M-I-N-E-R, like a data miner, that run within the blockchain's peer-to-peer network that all those miners do is process those keys, the crypto keys, to see if they truly do match or if they've been spoofed. So the transaction slows down just a little bit just because these miners are running. But that's where the extra layer of security comes in, is the miners block essentially bad data from coming in. So it's crazy and it's tough to make a real world example out of it, but this isn't physical, right? This is all code. This is, these are developers writing the technology that we're talking about today. So it, uh, it does get a little bit more challenging to, you know, mentally paint a picture. All right. Last question for me for real. So we kind of joked about it, but obviously, and Phil and I both said it, like we, and I think a lot of the general populace here is blockchain thinks Bitcoin. They're obviously uh, in a way have become synonymous, but they're not actually synonyms because blockchain is just the security that Bitcoin is protected by. Correct? Yeah, it's so, well, blockchain is the method by which Bitcoin transactions happen. So how... And maybe you can't answer this, but how, how did they become so synonymous? Was Bitcoin, my real question here, was Bitcoin the first widely prevalent or known usage of blockchain? And that's why they're so synonymous? Yeah. Okay. The consumer world really could care less about blockchain. It's just, I feel like it's because we work in the space that we've connected the two. But you're right. But a lot of people also think, you know, the two things are synonymous, but honestly, there haven't been other proliferant uses of blockchain anywhere. So, you know, this election that's getting ready to happen will be the next biggest one. So why aren't there more? Is there uh, like a too large of like a startup cost or hurdles, the barriers of entry? You do have to have developers and you do have to have cryptographers, as you've seen on stage. 
you can find those. That's not too difficult. The thing that makes blockchain truly valuable is that decentralized model that I was talking about. And you have to have a fairly large peer-to-peer network in order for it to work. So it launched so well, so quickly with Bitcoin because Bitcoin was in vogue and everybody was trying to figure out how to use this cool new digital cryptocurrency. And if that currency was ever going to hold its value, the people that allowed Bitcoin transactions had to ensure it was secure. So this was just the model that our pseudonym friend uh, decided to use to ensure that things are secure. And I know we don't have time to get into it now, but when you swipe your credit card at any payment terminal, there's a gateway and a processor that takes a fee, right? They take a fee to process your credit card. In the blockchain world, those fees don't exist. So it's going to become more popular. You can find articles out there where people are saying things like, well, blockchain is going to kill Uber because you could you uh, look it up. There's a company called Arcade City that's already started a rideshare system, a rideshare environment that's based off blockchain and nobody pays any fees. So it will be disruptive for sure as people start to learn how to adapt the technology into what they're trying to accomplish. What I'm hearing is I'm still going to get rich off Bitcoin one day. Got it. Maybe. Maybe if you got in <laughs> early enough. Did you buy it at the wrong time? You're not already rich. Uh, I'm without really disclosing too much. I'm as of today. I'm up slightly. <laughs> Sounds like me at the casino usually. So it's been a wild ride over the last three years. I'll yeah. say that I've not sold or bought any more since then. So it's, I've been been along. There's I I would be a lot better off if I had done both of those things throughout the past three years. But I have just held on to what I had and ridden the roller coaster. And now you know that when you decide to sell or buy, that you're going to be very secure. secure. That's right. Exactly. Well, very cool. This is the most I've learned in one of these so far. I can safely say that. Yeah. I appreciate you not doing your research before you you came in. Yeah. Next time I have a beer, I'll be thinking of blockchain. I don't know how well it's going to be really interesting as to uh, the crowd of people I hang out with, whether they find this interesting as I'm handing them beers <laughs> or if they're mad at me when I ask them. Go ahead and tell the next person in line. Yeah, you tell them they have to have the password. All right, boys. Well, perfect. Until next time, this has been fun. Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco Security. Security is a top concern for all customers in a growing global market rich in recurring revenue. Don't just sell the products, win by selling security business valuable in a scalable architectural approach with best of breed products and threat intelligence with Cisco. Profit from an ongoing relationship with your customers today.